Hey guys, what's up and welcome back to episode 37 of That Scale RC Show. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Dean, alongside with... Jeremy Kendall, the other one of your hosts. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why do you pick on me? What? Why must you always pick on me? Like, I'm, I'm... <laughs> is it because is it because I'm getting I'm getting teamed up? You know, the Kendalls are picking on me. Dude, I'm so simple mentally that like everything makes me laugh, and so I just do a lot of stupid stuff to humor myself. So it's it's not you, it's me. <laughs> <sighs> well, we have a special guest. You know, the other half of the That Scale RC shows host. His son, Travis. My evil spawn. What's <laughs> up? From our, what what could you call Trackwalk? Our our brother podcast? Um, yeah, the potentially older, debatably more successful brother podcast. Are we the slightly promiscuous younger sisters then? <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> If I'm your son, does that make me one quarter host of the That Scale RC show? Yeah. Is that how that works? Yeah, probably. Yeah. That works for me. With all jokes aside, we are back. I know we had a hiatus last week. Um, I think Jay's internet was hating him or something. Oh, my God. Yeah, they tried to say that our modem fried from a power surge, but... Our power hadn't gone out, so whatever. So, anyways, they gave we got a new modem and we're back in business now. Yeah, so we apologize for that, but we're back, um, and I think we should just dive right into one of the biggest releases. Well, I guess you could say one of the biggest releases. Um, the this Fandango. Week. The Fandango. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. The, the the Wendigo, yes, um, by Red Cat. Uh, this was actually something that like quite interesting. A lot of people said the same thing. They like kept scrolling through, and I think the the artwork threw them off. They were, you know, they they saw it and they were like, oh, that's kind of cool, but they didn't really pay attention to what it was. And then they had to go back and check it out because. It, it skipped my radar until you said something, and then I went and checked it out. And uh, I guess we could just do, you know, some, I guess, fun facts. If you've never heard of a, a Wendigo, it is a mythologi- mythological man-eating creature or evil spirit. Which so, is rad. So, so this, you know, which could be a whole new... I'm surprised there isn't a, a metal band named Wendigo. I watched a TV show and it had Wendigos in it, and I don't remember what it was now, but it was really good, and that's how I learned about them. But yeah, they're creepy, and so I thought that was actually a really cool name for it. And you know what else is kind of cool about that release? I like that Red Cat only teased it for like a day or two at the most, and then you got to see the whole thing. Like they didn't drag it out for like two or three weeks. I just found out what it was. Like yeah. just, just now? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it right now via BigSquidRC.com. Yeah, I have it pulled up right now on uh, redcatracing.com on their actual website, and they're calling it a one-tenth scale brushless solid axle rock racer. And so, it does not have portals, right? 
No, no portals. That's the thing that shocked me. When I was scrolling through this, I was like, wow. They're like – other than their um, – their, what was it? Gen 7, mm-hmm. I want to say it was their last one that wasn't portal axles because when they came out with the Gen 8, that was the, the first Scout one that had portals, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. So I was kind of shocked to see that they didn't. Now my question is, looking at those, I'm wondering, are they closer to like your XR-ish width or – because it says that it is the wheel – no, that's the wheelbase. I want to know what the – Track width. Yeah. While you're doing that, I will say that high five to them for not putting – portals on something yeah that means but, red cat is serious yeah but it's like the one rig that probably should have them not the scout so it's it's a little bit backwards but i don't know i still think it's a cool, a cool thing they did yeah it's kind of weird if you're gonna advertise it as like a rock racer to me that seems especially with a style that seems like that would have fit a little bit better but also props to them because I totally would have expected them to just go full on portals and yeah, they could have taken the easy way. That's, that's a pretty used... rad move, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, they could have used yeah. existing parts and they didn't, so that's really cool. Yeah, maybe I mean, they read consumer blowback. I guess. Yeah, yeah. For them. could be. I mean, that's what I was gonna get at because it's a two point two rig, so so it's kind of almost. Oh, it like... is. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was one nine. Because no, it it, it doesn't look like it has giant wheels and tires on it, so that fooled me. That's says cool. it right. Says it right here. Licensed wheels and tires. A rock racer wouldn't be complete without high quality off road tires and wheels. The the Wendigo sits on licensed Interco Super Swamper 2.2 tires, which are mounted to licensed Raceline Avenger wheels. Nice. That thing must be huge then. Yeah, so because my, it looks really proportionate compared to like the Eddie or the Bomber. So it to me, it's almost like I think it's their answer to the original Wraith. I guess you could say, instead of going the full tube buggy, they still went kind of like chassis rail setup, but it's got you know, two point twos. Yeah, so it's a it's a three hundred forty seven millimeter wheelbase with a three hundred nine mm-hmm. millimeter track width. Three forty seven. That is huge. That's a that's a big truck. Maybe that the the rock racer thing makes a little bit more sense. So I guess if you have two point twos, I I what are the what are portals going to do for you then? Yeah, exactly. I don't so know. Maybe, the thing maybe was, that was why. It was so proportionate looking that I honestly thought it was a one nine rig. Yeah, that's the most scale two two I've ever seen. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, and it comes with a brushless setup. Um, it actually is a pretty powerful brushless setup. It's a thirty three hundred kV. Oh wow! And then it's got um, sixty amp ESC, all weather, waterproof, dustproof. Um, it can handle up to 3S LiPo, and it's some sort of hobby wing. I think it's Hexfly. It says right here, uh, hobby wing brushless system. Oh, really? Weird. I thought yep. it was Hexfly on this one, because I was kind of surprised that it didn't have reefs or hobby wing on it, because I figured that that was something they were going to just start doing. But then, in a way, it's cool they didn't, because they just have the one special edition Gen 8 Scout then. Yeah, the servo is the Hexfly, but... Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yes, that says Hexfly on the servo, and that servo is a digital servo, metal horn, waterproof, steel gears, and 25 kilograms of torque, which is roughly 
three fifty ish ounces if you're going mm-hmm. that range, and then it can handle up to seven point four volts. Wow. So here's an interesting note while I'm looking at this because on the uh, on the Red Cat promo, it's showing a like a CAD render of their axles, and uh-huh. so something that. For for us in the eight scale world, like the eight scale off road world, like when tracks would get really rough or unpredictable, something that like was a tuning option on a lot of cars, like something like that's a C hub style, like this, um, was kingpin kingpin inclination. Excuse me. So you know yep. how like on on the axles, you know, you guys have them pretty much straight up and down all the time, and that you really only have that forward to back rotation and caster. Right. Well, yep. if you change them laterally, then that makes the the uh, the kingpin, well, the whole the whole assembly basically a lot less susceptible to impact. And what I'm seeing here is they used a ridiculous amount of kingpin inclination on that front axle. I don't know if you got a chance to see that, Adam. Yeah, no, I have it blown up right here. That's, that's what definitely the rock racer thing happening right there. That that's what threw me off at first because when I first saw the picture of this, I was like, is that a is that a portal? But I was like, that doesn't look like it drops far enough to be a portal. Yeah, the C-Hub threw me when I first saw that because... See, so that's, yeah. So, and what and honestly, what that's going to do too is, if I'm not mistaken, is when you turn, doesn't it throw the actual way, the, I'm trying to think, the throw of the turn is like a little more steeper than... If it's straight up and down, or am I? It looks like it does when you're running a lot of caster. If I'm correct, is is that That's right? That's what I thought. The your your mid corner rotation is a lot higher. It's similar to I, I guess we don't really see pillow balls in in any kind of rock crawling or racing, but um, this is kind of the same sort of geometry, and they're kind of known for having the most uh, rotation like through a whole corner. So that that's what you would get out of that. So you might actually end up with a rock racer that steers. Yeah, the, the bomber first, like, was good for steering. One. Like that one was good, but the Yeti, yeah. Yeti just flat out didn't steer. No, the Yeti <laughs> was a flop. I, I'll say that right now. I mean, the Yeti was a flop. That was the kind of car that I I wish it would have had a little bit more thought into it when it first came out because your average person had to drop like a thousand dollars into it to even make it hold up and perform. Yeah, yeah, I'm forever haunted by that thing. You had to buy all aluminum steering components, basically, and ditch the servo saver because I remember when we first got Yetis and we were doing U4, you would use the entire track just to try and turn. Like, you would go outside coming into a corner and you would be exiting outside, too, and still fighting to stay off the pipe. Like, it was a giant pain in the ass. Oh, it was crazy. And we were probably using wider lanes than any rock racers are now. Yeah, that that was a huge track. Yeah. Because yeah, it so was an eight, eight scale off-road track. It it's, says it has up to 47 degrees of steering. Yeah, that's a lot. You know, I, you kind of got to give them props for that whole thing. You know, like, obviously they've paid attention to steering geometry and stuff and handling, and they aren't using just leftover parts that they already have so i mean that's an expensive process having all those new molds made for the injection molded plastic like that that's not like a small endeavor to release something completely new like that so that's that's actually pretty cool so high five yeah they, they spent some time on this one that's a this is a really solid release mm-hmm. well and... the other thing 
Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I hope that the lack of PR doesn't end up being detrimental because that you kind of have to you kind of have to search for some things on that. And I mean, the the fact of the matter is, is that if we hadn't talked about it, I probably would never have known and gone deeper into it to find out that this thing is, uh, you know, a little bit higher quality than what maybe we expected out of Redcat. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the other thing, too, is I'd probably label this, and I'll probably get a lot of flack for this, I'd probably label this more of a basher rig because, like, in my, like, I don't know, it's just my opinion, I think the whole, that rock racer class, you know, the the wraiths and all that stuff, I, I think that, that the time is coming on. Like, those style of rigs are gone. Like, I think that's kind of why we haven't seen anything from uh, Element. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, Associated had the Nomad, that DB8, and, which is pretty cool. That's what everybody's putting that cage from that on Technos and Losis. Yeah, it's just to me, it's just like something that's like, you know, I remember, you know, if you really want to stroll back memory lane, going down, like going to like our first, you know, events, people would actually have, because the Wraith was only like, Two years old at that point, they you know they would actually be running race on the trail. Well, now that everybody's kind of like migrated towards the, you know, the one nine tire, the you know trail rig. This just style just to me just doesn't seem like you know a very popular something you're going to want to see on the trail. But you know, you know, I could be totally wrong. You but know, who am I to say that it's you know not going to sell? But I think I'm the just, two twos attract a lot of new people. That's what I was going to say. It's a good beginner. Well, yeah. that's why we used to always call them training wheels because, mm -hmm. you know, I know it's bad to say that, but that's what we used to call them because everybody that got new was new in the hobby got the two twos because you just walked right over everything. Yeah, which we still um, see that. I mean, like you've watched the element page and there's guys all over the place throwing two twos on Enduros. And then the other thing I like about it is they stayed with their, I guess that's their new, I don't know, maybe that's their new face of their, you know, lineup um it's still very scout-ish yeah which is cool it's a consistent look you know like axial kind of has the futuristic retro thing down and they've got their kind of scout thing going and no i i think it's cool so yeah so um i know there's a couple people that have hit us up on our social media asking if we were going to be talking about this um and here we are um yeah. Oh, the one thing I forgot to bring up too. So if everybody wondering, listening, it should be right here at the bottom, I believe. Or did I miss it? Where is three eighty nine? Is the price point not a bad price? And it's a ready to run, uh, just battery and charger not included. Hmm. Not bad. So, yeah. I. Uh... You know, I, I guess, I mean, even though I'm, like, associated guy, like, I, I do want Red Cat to be taken seriously. You know what I mean? And, like, it just, I don't know, it's it sucks if it's, like, a brand that's kind of, like, the butt of people's jokes and stuff, which it kind of was for a long time. And now that Jeff Johns is there, you know, it's, they're obviously, you know, taking some steps in the right direction now. And, uh, no, I just, I, I think it's cool. I think, I, I hope that it ends up being like, you know, they continue this and it's a viable alternative for people looking for a rig now. 
Well, I mean, competition is good. It brings better products from us yeah. or to us from everybody. I mean, that's just yeah, exactly. It's I mean, obviously, yeah, we all have our our preferences and agreements, but I think what it comes down to is that uh, ultimately, you know, you don't want to wish bad on anybody because you, you never know something they do might motivate, um, you know, your company to do it better. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, and that's what we're gonna see. I mean, oh, does it have metal links? That's a question I had. Um, da, 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 da. let me go back to that part because I know it's got it's got aluminum shocks. And it doesn't look like it. Yes, they are. Oh, they really? are metal. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, they are. It was just a bad. Heavy. D- it says it right. Well, they don't really go into detail, but if I blow up the picture, it says heavy duty five millimeter suspension links, nice. and they look they look like you know almost like the new style of the axial ones. You know, they go they're thinner in the center. They flare out. Oh, you know, cool. to the and it looks like you use like a grub screw and you probably thread it in there and then put the plastic rod end on it. Nice. Well, and you got cool. a sway you got a and then it comes with a sway bar, which really? that sway bar is actually, wow. Yep. That one's just interesting. Um the sway bar end links look like servo horns. Really? Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. We'll have to put this up on our on our uh, social medias. Huh, no kidding. So that is pretty cool. No, good for them, man. I think that's awesome. Yeah, so no, it's cool. Um yeah, it's it's nice and would this actually mark their first car with that, you know, I'd call it like your you know, your Vitera or your um axial, you know, half racer interior? Is this their first car that actually has that? I th- think so the special edition scout the gen 8 has molded seats and stuff but there's no it's kind of cool because they didn't do drivers but yeah no that's awesome so no it'd be cool so very interesting what else is new this week front and rear axles feature a cnc machine spool so it looks like it'll act, you know, yeah, it'll, it'll hold up some abuse. Nice. Lord knows it's going to get it some. <laughs> Those things get pretty beat on usually. Uh, let's but, see here. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Oh, the other thing before I forget, uh, I'll just do this real quickly because I don't even know if we put out a questionnaire. I'll show you how much I've been paying attention. Um. We did have a guy last week who had a question. He actually asked a question on our Instagram, which is kind of a first because not a lot of people hit us up on Instagram with a question unless it's in the comments. But the guy on goes on Instagram by ZiggyBoard269. Of course he does. Um, his question, what are the – and it's something that I think we've kind of – you know, um, touched on, but, you know, it doesn't hurt. Uh, what are the pros and cons to axle-mounted servos? Are there any difference in the steering between the chassis mount and axle mount? And, hey, the podcast kicks ass. Keep up the great work. Thanks for all the info you guys put out. It's very inspiring. Nice. So, um, yeah. So I did tell him, but this is before we knew everything that was going on last week, that he would be answered last week. Well, you're getting your answer this week. Um, yes, there is a big, in my opinion, there's a difference with the 
axle versus chassis mounted, um, not only for scale looks, but um, the axle mounted is more direct, like it's simple, it doesn't have a lot of stress on, you know, the mount for the servo, because it's right there, um, and everything's kind of like in plane, whereas when you put it up in the chassis, typically you're putting more stress on everything, because it's, you know, up higher, your angles of like your, um, your drag link, you know, is more at a severe angle. Whereas when it's on the axle, it's basically parallel to the tie rod. Yeah, you don't um, get axle sway because axle yeah, exactly. sway you get with the pan hard. Exactly. So, um, it really what it comes down to is what you're going after. Like if you're building a rig, and which is kind of why you've seen it in the past, which is I'm actually shocked that this has a. Now that you know, I'm going to say this. I'm shocked that that Wendigo has a chassis mounted servo because being that's a rock racer. Most guys that have built rock racers or did the U4 racing, the servo's on axle because it could take a bigger, you know, it takes more abuse. Um, whereas up in the chassis, like you said, you get axle sway, um, higher center you gravity, more, and you got more leverage. So it's very interesting that they that they did that. Um, so like if you're going for more, like I said, like a performance uh, type application, I would put your servo on the axle. If you're going for scale, then throw it up um, in the chassis. Yeah, definitely. So, um, was there anything, I forget what you said before we got on, uh, that our guest wanted to talk about that they have going on? Uh-oh, I'm on the spot now. Um... It's okay if you don't. You, you guys talk here for the conversation. Well, that King of the Streets thing just happened down in Vegas. Oh, that's right. Yes, it did. How was that for an event, huh? That was cool, and it was funny because uh, on the well, oh, that's the other thing I would like to say too. Travis has been added to our MKS group chat. That yeah, I, it, I finally it, play both sides now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, did we lose your dad? Is oh, he... I'm here. Okay. He I went just, silent. No, I was like, just being quiet for a change. No. Um, but yeah, so no, it's it's, it's kind of interesting. So now some of the stuff that goes on there, you know, Travis gets to see and firsthand. But um, I know uh, I'm drawing a blank now. Oh yeah. Well, just on that note, I mean, it's cool to Tyler. cool to be there because we've been in the. Uh, well, I've been on the racing side of it for a couple of years now, so now I get to be on the drag racing and crawling side of it too because um, I'm trying to to maybe build some bridges between those two sides in terms of like support roles. So hopefully uh, hopefully that bodes well for everybody because MKS has exploded on, on this side of the RC world. It's crazy. Yes. Um, you know... Uh... You know, I, I guess if you listen to Tim's podcast, you probably already know I'm assistant team manager for the drag slash crawler team. Um, so we're like they're definitely trying some new things this year. Uh, so we'll see how that pans out. Um, but I know Tyler Zavadil was a little he was a little upset that I wasn't coming out to Vegas, and I'm like I just recently got into this drag racing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd look pretty foolish going out there and getting smoked on the first heat. 
<laughs> it might have been fun just to be there, but it, at the same time, no, that's, I, that's an expensive trip. I agree. I I would have liked to go just to hang out, but um, yeah, which actually I did get that um, Holmes Hobby 6000 KV Puller Pro in the drag car. Oh. Did not know that it was a 5mm output shaft until after I put it in the car, so I had to order a bunch of new pinion gears. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but uh, so hopefully maybe this weekend I can get a couple of uh, test hits on that because I finally got all the parts, everything's in. Um, and I do got to say, big improvement already just being on the bench versus what I had. So before, on you know the 2S, pull the throttle while it's sitting up on the little stand. It would go like it, you know, it'd spin, you know, like it looks like it wants to go fast. Now I know it wants to go fast because those rear tires turn into pizza cutters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, they do. And I'm like, okay, I, th- I think <laughs> we have more power now. So well, we, I got to now see what it does going down the track. I'm so excited to get into that. Like we just kind of just stopped trying to build the one that we have and just said, screw it. And we're waiting for DB tens to come out and we're just going to go that way. Or DR10, yeah, more, more me. waiting for obviously that to happen, but also for DR 10 parts to become more like more available. So that way we can just throw the DR 10 parts on the one that we were building and just be done with it. Yeah. It's just been a nightmare. It's like order something. We'll order like the, drive shafts you know get the dog bones and then it turns out that the stub axles are wrong that we had and like it's just been this massive headache because that thing was literally a basket case when we got it like it was just pieces and it was yeah it it ends up being way more work than any of us have time to put into it and so it's just going to be kind of an afterthought we've been talking about just building it or getting it close to being built at some point and just giving it to one of our team guys. So we'll just do that instead. <laughs> just <laughs> find, find a new home. You know, and Kids, just... if you aren't sure about a uh, Facebook marketplace, as far as buying things, uh, well, don't do it. Yeah. I, I never even contacted the guy. I think it was a kid that had done the trade and you know what? It, it's cool. He got a really nice T5 and you know, hopefully he enjoys it and that's cool. We got kind of stung a little bit, but hey, man, you know that's life. I'm not gonna throw a fit about it. Yeah. So he got, so he got a, he got, you know, the good end, and you got the short end. Oh yeah. Oh like, yeah. Like no upper shock bushings. It's just the hole in the shock cap bouncing around on the freaking screw holding them to the tower. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it's bad. Like we I've got never, it and it was, not, yeah. it was not drivable. Like never experienced anything like that in my life. Yeah. It was destroyed, but yeah, you know, we'll make the best out of it, pass it on to somebody that could use it and would appreciate it. And since we're associated teammates, we'll just run DR tens instead. Cause well, that, that's what we should be doing anyways. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be fast, though, when it is done, because it's going to be fueled by such anger and trying to get that thing finished. Oh, my God, yeah. That that thing is going <laughs> to have no choice but to be fast at the end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Refu- refuse to let it beat us. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. But, yeah, that, uh, that, that, uh, the, the street, um, was it Street Kings? King of the Streets. King of the Streets. Uh, was no that was entertaining to watch 
Um, and you actually have the choice to watch it. Uh, I know Tyler Zavadil with um, his RC Drag Talk had a live feed. Um, who else had a uh, – Sean Rusin had a live feed. Um, and there was one other person who was doing live. I think Tim was on and off. but didn't, Tim was like, on and off. The whole thing, yeah. So, but uh, I, I no. I think I watched right. Sean's. That's the one I saw. Yeah, I was on RC Drag Talk. And I turned it on just in time for the final run. Like, I, yeah. I just caught the end of it. So I missed the final run. Which, I'm, I'm kind of torn. Obviously, we really like Tim and want to see him do well. But in a way, it's kind of cool that he didn't win because everyone expected him to. And so it made it more exciting. <laughs> Not, nothing against Tim, you know. It's just, I think everybody expected him to stomp it. And... Uh, what I I, th- I think he had gotten taken out or something in his. Some, it was his a whole saga leading up to that race for him. Yeah, see, he he, he went through the ringer, didn't he? It, well, it was. I mean, I, I think a lot of people wanted to come out there and beat his ass. Is what happened. I, yeah. I think it was. It was more that everyone showed up wanting to win. Um, you know, one one part of it was obviously winning the money, but the other part was, oh, I have a chance to beat Tim Smith today. So yeah, exactly. Um, Every in you know is much crap that people talk not knowing his background or who he is online that makes it kind of funny yeah well there are there are also those that know and just don't care so right yeah that's very true but i'm i've i'm like two and a half hours into his episode this week and he details pretty much everything that went on up to that race and during the race uh pretty pretty well as a long episode so hmm. yeah you kind of get that perspective from him but i mean it was one of the sonoma guys that came out on top and that was a sweet finishing race yeah, yeah. That, that dude decidedly won that last run like it was he smoked him yeah no that was good and uh what was cool about it is that that was a lot of money on the on the line excuse me um and this has been a big topic in the off-road world for a little while now where there's like a lot of con- like concern for like when people race for money. Oh, with sportsmanship. That's funny you're bringing this up because that's exactly where I was going to go with yeah, this. Yeah, and so we had the the Winter Rage like big indoor um, indoor off-road race two months ago. No, about a month ago now. And uh, that was a cash payout race. Not a lot of money. I think winner. I think winner of like the most premier class there got like hundred bucks, but which is still cool. But um, you know, people like were really hesitant going into that race, being like, oh well, you know, people already get um, you know, kind of rowdy and bad sportsmanship, you know, money. So adding money to it is just going to make it worse. And that didn't really happen. And then everyone is kind of wondering from the off-road side, well, what's going to happen when all these dudes that are you know. From from our perspective, barely organized. That's no slight on Tyler. That's just the you know the way the drag racing kind of is right now. Yeah, it's new. Um, it is new, and there's not really a good formal way to do it yet, which is part of its charm, and probably should always stay that way. Yeah. But um, so a couple of us were asking, like, well, what's going to happen when you know there's going to be at the time we're thinking, oh, someone's going to take home like a thousand fifteen hundred dollars. I didn't think it would be a uh, <laughs> a forty three hundred dollar pot that these guys are going to be taking home so ridiculous um but it was kind of shown case in point you could see it through the live videos that it was just a sweet atmosphere that everyone had fun i mean i think a lot of people showed up um you know wanting to put that money on the line and some people like john schultz like went out first hit and lost and 
you know, suddenly it was kind of game on for everybody where no one was like really that much faster than anyone else. Like there was no clear like dominator and that kind of money being on the line really didn't seem to cause any issues. The only issue I saw from that event was people talking about aero bodies being unfair and stuff and wings and stuff. And I didn't, I didn't get that. Well, there's, I mean, there's a bunch of bodies out right now that just have crazy big, like, side dams and wings and stuff like that that are just not really what you would see on a, like, a no prep, like, street outlaw car. Yeah. And so there's some, there's some issue with that right now. And I think, don't quote me on this, um, but I think there's going to be some changes to the NPRC rules soon reflecting bodies because there's not a lot of, like, actual street outlaw bodies, you could argue. And yeah, that kind of takes away from the spirit true. of the class a little bit. I Yeah, I agree. It, it The scale aspect of it, I think, is what is, again, drawing so much interest to it, you know, is the fact that the cars do look, you know, pretty realistic. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, to me, like, the, the cars are, you know, it's also supposed to look cool. I, yeah. I don't want, you know, a body that has, you know, a wing hanging off the back of that thing that is the length of the body itself, like... That doesn't make well, a whole lot of sense. Yeah, the well, side dams and stuff—they look like a Bonneville, like you know. Yeah, soft car. Yeah, they look yeah, like they look like speed that, record cars. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it reminded me of. Yeah. Well, that's like I chose not to run that wing on that C10 body, mainly for the reason I wanted it to look like an old truck that somebody tries to drag race in, not you know. And and I had yeah. a couple, I had a couple buddies who gave me a hard time. They said, "Oh, well, clearly you don't like." Um, aerodynamics or downforce, and I'm like, no, that has nothing to do with it. And I said, on it, I said maybe that will be a big factor if I ever, you know, like I'm racing for some whatever and I lose because of that. Maybe then everyone can laugh at me and say, that's what you get. But I mean, I'm going more for just fun and like look, like I said, I want it to look like right something that someone's using. So it actually kind of got me thinking. I just haven't had the time to do it. I want to get that. Silverado body that's for the slash, and I want to see how that fits on the drag cars because I almost wanted to make like a um, like a drag diesel truck. Oh, okay. Because there's a couple of people I follow on Instagram that do that, and it's pretty sick. So um, do something like that. But like I said, I don't know how it's going to look because I don't know how well it covers the tires like i don't know how right. wide that body is so i don't know we'll have to see well, worst comes us, to worst i guess i always put on the four-wheel drive slash yeah i mean with us we both come from scale rc obviously and you know 90 percent of scale rc is just how stuff looks and it looks realistic so i mean of course that's gonna be you know one of the big attractive features of this is like you said you know making it look the way you want and you know, and I, I think that's cool, but I, I think at the same time that, like what Trav's talking about with the arrow thing, I just, I, I, I agree. I think it kind of, nothing against the people making them, because I think what the guy, I think it's Shark RC Bodies that makes a crazy arrow Mustang. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, I think I'm Facebook friends with him, and I think he follows us on the show. It's that Scooter Scott is what the his name is on Facebook. Um, really? Yeah, nothing, I, I believe that's his company. I, I'm probably wrong, but nothing to take away from him. But it just, in, in my opinion, it, you know, it kind of detracts from some of the appeal of it. And, and I get why it's controversial, but 
I don't know. Well, I mean, it's add another layer to this also where the aerodynamics really do play a big portion. So no, they if, do. I mean, if you're going to be, you know, if you have these rule sets coming out and people are trying to win, I mean, obviously you're going to make bodies that sort of cater to that rule set to try and maybe push the guidelines as much as you possibly can. I mean, that's just sort of the nature of racing. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's, in, it's definitely not just like, you know, that vendor. I mean, you know, we've seen it from kind of everybody for the most part. And so I'm hoping to see maybe a change just on that. But, I mean, you know, if people want to keep doing it, go for it. You know, it's their thing. You know, I, I don't have much ground to, to stand on since I don't even really have a car yet. So, you know, what what can I sit here and really say? But right. that's that's at least the difference for me in terms of, like, what, you know, what I find interesting about it. I mean, at the end of the day, I... I'm I'm a racer, so I want to go out and win. Well, and you know, RC is a funny thing too because you saw this with off-road back in the 80s and 90s. They were somewhat realistic-looking off-road buggies. You know, they look like little Baja buggies, like the original RC10 and some of the Kyoshos and stuff. And then they slowly started evolving into performance-based machines, like what we currently have for off-road. And like you and I have learned, like, aero makes a huge difference even in off-road. I mean, like, the cab, the windshield angle, wings, I mean, all of that stuff makes a difference. And so you start losing the realism when it starts going to the performance side of it. And it was interesting to me to see that change happening so fast in drag racing because scale rc there's like the super scale rigs and then there's like the comp rigs that are not very scale and are clearly performance based and don't look realistic and uh with the drag racing it just surprised me that it turned to that direction so quickly whereas in the past it's taken years and years to evolve yeah i mean it's it pays off to understand them oh i mean really absolutely so maybe that, and that's, I guess that's the whole aspect of this. But like and, I said, I think that that is on the horizon for a change, but uh, don't come after me if I'm wrong. Well, yeah. Uh, I, I don't mean, know for sure. And you can't blame the guys doing it because if it's not in the rules, you're showing up, you're rate. I mean, you know, bottom line, 90% of people race to win and the rest of them do it just for fun. And, you know, it's, they're there to win. And if that body falls within the rules, they're going to run it. And, you know. Yep it's up to the organization after that. So, you know, I, I don't, what I don't like is like the fit being thrown over it. I don't think that's really necessary because it's certainly not those people's fault for building their cars the way they did. Um, they fit the rules and they did it. So yeah, we'll, that's, we'll see that's the end all to that out. conversation. If right. It, uh, the rules will change to reflect it maybe at some point and you know, then you might have your day, but it's just, the way it is, and if it's not going to change in your, you know, in your favor to do what you want, I mean, at the end of the day, you're racing, so I would maybe consider adhering to the guidelines that exist and using those to your advantage. I mean, it's just there's an effort part of it too. Oh yeah, for and sure. That's that's maybe lost on some people. I don't know. Right. No, I agree. Yeah, the other thing on the racing side that I'm still like getting used to, I guess you could say, is um, you know, I'm used to running Dean's connectors on all my crawlers, and I've had a couple people tell me that I should switch those out on my drag car. Uh, I don't know. It depends on the current pull. Like, if your plug's getting hot, 
and your motor wires are getting hot and you're having issues with solder melting and stuff, then by all means, switch it out. Um, well, what kind of batteries are you running? Well, I got to get some better ones for my drag car because I was just using what I had, and the biggest one I have is a 50C 5,000 milliamp two-cell. Do they have leading wires coming out, or is it like a, a whole plug? Uh, it's leading wires coming out. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, really all you can do is switch to like EC5 or something, but, you know. Yeah, well, yes. even like XT90s. Yeah. That's what I was, yeah, someone said, oh, switch over to XT90s, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, then that means I got to get a whole set of batteries and whatnot just for this. And if you're going to buy batteries, dude, just get a bullet pack and solder bullets on and be done with it. Because, yeah, just do direct plug. Yeah, that honestly, that's the most solid way to do it. We do that with all of our racing cars. Um, oddly enough, the only ones that we don't really care that much about is like we see a lot of people still running deans on eight scales which is kind of strange um we always ran ec5s on eight scales and on short courses but it doesn't appear to be an issue for a lot of people deans can come unplugged sometimes with uh racing on big hits and stuff we've seen that and had it happen to ourselves so we just kind of learned over the years that bullets are the way to go but uh i don't know i mean if you're having to buy batteries and everything, I would just bypass the frustration of trying to solder those. Because EC5s, and I'm assuming the XT90s are probably the same way, they're kind of a pain in the ass to solder. Like, it's not super fun. So I, I would do bullets since you're having to buy a battery anyways. Okay, I'm going to look into some... We have a whole uh, like soldering jig at work for doing XT90s because we use pretty much only those types of plugs on the drones. And yeah. so we pretty much had to do a whole jig for them just because they're such a pain to solder. Oh, do they suck like the EC5s do? Yeah, yeah. I, they're not fun. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I figured as much. EC5s are a pain in the butt. I don't, I don't know if MaxAmp makes a bullet pack. I'm assuming you're probably going to buy a MaxAmp's battery, aren't you? They, um, I've been looking at them. I'm they actually, do now, I think. Not, well, I'm actually on their on their site. They do have this, this new internal plug option for their Race Edition 6500 milliamp 7.4 volt 150C battery pack. This pack offers the best of both worlds. You get the low... Lower resistance and higher performance of a single connection between the speed control and the battery, along with the clean look of built-in connectors. Unlike packs with bullet-style connectors, there's no chance of reversing polarity. That which everybody that has bullets has at some point plugged them in backwards and fried an ESC. That is one drawback. But there's ways around it. You can change the length of your leads so that they only plug into the spot where they're supposed to go by you know changing the length or uh, slip some red heat shrink over one of the you know over the positive lead and then you know. But are the LIHV batteries still illegal? Sorry, I was yeah. stretching when I said that. They are. That's yeah, weird. they are. Well, shoot. I'll have to buy batteries, too. I think at the time that rule was made, graphene wasn't really a big thing yet. And now it's just dominant. Yeah, now it's kind of everywhere, so I don't know. People are using them in crawlers, too. but. Yep. I mean, hell, I would. I, I exclusively race with a LIHB uh, yeah. charge now. I do now. Yeah. I don't charge anything at 4.2 anymore. 
See, and then that was the thing. And like, there's a lot of people that say, "Oh, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference." And it's like, I, you know, there's a lot of people that are saying it does make a difference. Dude, it makes a huge difference. It depends Those... on the motor more than anything. I noticed it on like slower motors. So wh- where I noticed a huge difference was on uh, 13.5 turn motors in our four wheel drive buggies that we we're racing off road with putting a graphene battery in one of those like the performance difference between that and a regular lipo is night and day difference yeah like, yeah him feeling that in it. that car him feeling that in that car versus me feeling it on a 5.0 or a 5.5 or 5.5 um yeah I, I don't really notice it as much no, what i, I really get out of it either. is runtime yeah exactly. that's the big thing that's i get a little bit more runtime out of it i still get a lot anyways but you that's I think it's for the the slower motors, the 13.5 and the 17.5 kind of classes, where not only do you get the runtime, but you get a little bit more uh, a little bit more punch mm-hmm. uh, at the the beginning of the run. Other than that, I mean, crawling. Um, I wouldn't notice it with crawling. Other than runtime, that would be the only reason why I would do it. But your high discharge rate batteries in a crawler, like I don't notice it. Like I I don't know. I, I don't know if you would notice high volt in a drag car as much as maybe adjusting literally anything else yeah because they're so ungodly fast to begin with because you got boost you got turbo yeah. and all this other stuff to screw with like you would have to be a, well you'd have to be a tim smith or a ty campbell to notice a difference in the battery on something like that yeah i mean obviously it'd be measurable but i don't know if you'd be able to feel it like the average be... dude probably couldn't yeah I, I couldn't you know long story short not a rabbit hole worth chasing um, for what you think you might get out of it. Yeah. Um, I think because these cars are maybe getting so fast, I don't know. I, I'd be curious to see if they eventually made that move, but I don't think it's a bad rule by any means. But now, I mean, it's, I don't know about you, but for me, it's it's kind of hard to buy a battery these days without buying a high volt. Yeah, that's true. You know, a couple of years ago, just two years ago, even that really was not the case. Yeah, exactly. It was a pretty rare thing. I guess I'm just like, you know, I haven't been in the market for batteries and I don't know how long, so I guess maybe I just don't, you know, not privy to it. There's, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to know. It's, I don't know, all of this stuff, it's just, that's the thing with RC. Once you start diving into electronics and stuff, like, there's so much tuning adjustment that it's like, where do you even start with some of these, so... I'm going to yeah. be totally unoriginal and probably just run a Tim Smith or a Ty Campbell uh, ESC profile and <laughs> s- skip the playing around with it since we all run the same ESCs. I'm just going to copy what they did because it seems to work fine for them. So that's the direction I'm going to go. Keep it easy. Yeah, I don't have that <clears throat> Excuse me, luxury. So um, I'm probably, I'm probably going to pl- I'm probably gonna have to like sit there and you know, to test it out. Which is fun. That's half the fun is tinkering around with this stuff. I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to it this, this summer out at the park, you know, doing some drag racing and some test and tune sessions with the boys. And I think it'll be a good time. Yeah. I want to get up to, uh, there's a community college with some rather flat areas of, uh, asphalt. So I would like to kind of get a feel for this car before we do our next event. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's the only thing with these is like, and I get it because it it's like real drag racing, but like somebody getting a little fu- 
a little squidly and taking you out, you know, crossing lanes and stuff. But I mean, I don't know. It's part of it, I guess, you know, it's bound to happen. It happens with real ones. Yep. So yeah, that's my only thing is I just got to get used to that kind of atmosphere. I'm not used to all that speed and, uh, you know, I'm used to slow and trying to get over an obstacle. Exactly. Yeah. It's all, all new territory, but luckily for you, you know, some guys that are very experienced in this industry that you can hit up for advice and stuff. And that helps a ton just having somebody to talk to about it. Oh yeah. Between, um, Tyler Zavadil and Ryan Crowley, I've had so many pointers thrown my way. It's not even funny. Like with like those two guys before I've even gotten that car on the ground have helped me so much. It's, it's insane. That's cool. Which so, is rad. That's, that's, that's why people do this it's awesome oh yeah i mean because i'm like i say it all the time i mean i mean i'm the total noob when it comes to that you know like i i know nothing so you guys just like kind of point me in the right direction and then i'll give it a shot and you know go from there you know what i'm curious about with the dr10 is the tires i wonder if they're gonna be a legit tire or if people are gonna have to swap them out right away like they do on almost any rtr like I'm really curious about that, and that's something I haven't heard anybody talk about yet. Is the tires on it? Now on the DR10, are they glued on or are they beadlocks? They're glued on. Yeah, just about all of these are short course style tires and wheels, and they're all glued on. No, I'm just asking because I, I that was the like that's the other thing I've noticed is there's a lot of guys that are getting into the drag racing that are going to glued in the front and beadlock in the rear. See, I just. <sighs> So with crawling, I don't worry about rotating mass at all because I'm not a moron with the throttle. You know, I don't break axles and stuff like that because I, you know, if it gets bound up, I don't just mash the throttle, you know, like I'm careful with it. And so adding weight to my wheels and stuff has never been an issue for me. And with drag racing, that's something I absolutely would not do is run any type of aluminum or beadlock style wheel because the amount of force being applied to these cars when you're coming out of the hole is just, I mean, I, I see it just inviting a lot of broken parts by running heavy wheels on something like this. I mean, it, you just, I don't know it, that just to me seems like a really, I don't know. I'm not trying to be mean, but it just seems kind of dumb, you know? And plus I look at the fastest guys and I think they're all running glue on tires. Well, see, I guess they're what they're afraid of is because you know I've talked to a couple of them and they go we just we've seen it where the wheel will spin inside the tire and screws up their launch. Uh, so I, I guess if you that, glue them right, it's not an issue. And there is an art to gluing tires. And Trav and I have glued a lot of tires over the ten years. That just that we've sounds been doing like not this. enough glue. Yeah, it's there is an art to it and a trick to gluing tires. And if you glue them well, it's not an issue because like eight scale electric buggies and nitro buggies, like they can balloon those tires up huge. And if you do a crappy glue job, they're going to come apart. And that's something you see at almost every race where somebody's done a bad glue job. And, you know, it's happened to me. It's happened to Trav. And it's just, you know, but I think gluing is definitely the way to go. I think that these people that are running beadlocks and aluminum wheels is just inviting trouble. 
Yeah, I mean, if I don't use a jig, for example, on my eighth scale wheels, they will come undone. Well, they're hard because you don't have that bead that bead on the outside to hold, you know, to have the actual tire like sit in the bead, you know, with an eighth scale and with uh, tenth scale buggies now too. Their their wheels are kind of the same now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they kind of they kind of went that way. Yeah, some of them. Which you know, and and it is hard because they do kind of they'll pop up a little bit, you know, if you don't have pressure on it and everything and, you know, cause you do want it to be flush with the face of it. So it's, it's hard to do. I think short course wheels are a little bit easier in my opinion to glue. I, you know, I just, I don't see, I, I mean, one of the least, one of the things I'm worried the least about is having my tires come unglued on one of these cars just cause I know it's not going to be Yeah. An issue. I suppose in your guys's defense, you guys pretty much never use glue true on your tires so it's like i think there's a lot of dudes that have never glued tires either yeah and it's yeah it's not an easy thing by any means it took me years to figure it out like it's just it's i get that i think yeah i i would say when in doubt use a little bit more glue yeah (laughs) you're having tires come undone because to me like i would be way more concerned with a beadlock not holding up but yeah and the other thing too is you know making sure that they're cleaned very very well because oh I, yeah, that's that's the other portion too. I mean, maybe that that's, mold that's release, the conversation. yeah, like if you don't get that mold release off the tires, like I don't care what they are, they're not gonna stay well. So that's probably the other part of the issue they're having is not taking like a good contact cleaner and cleaning the bead of the tire before you and clean the wheel as well before you're mounting them up. Like, yeah, that's crucial. So oh, that means my wheels are probably gonna come apart. I didn't know any of that stuff. Um, yeah. No which yeah, case in point. I mean, maybe that's and why the first would you thing I should have said. Yeah, maybe that's the first thing I should have said because that's I, I guess yeah. For for anyone who doesn't know, you know now that when those tires come out and you take them out of the bag, they they are not ready to glue. You have to take like a really really concentrated like contact cleaner, um, and I say contact cleaner like I like don't even use brake cleaner. Like yeah, use a, like no. just normal contact cleaner, and like take a microfiber and wipe those good. Um, and I do, I do it to the wheel too. I do two passes on the wheel and like four passes on each beat of the tire. And because otherwise, yeah, you you might as well kiss that glue job goodbye. And don't get like CRC or like auto parts store contact cleaner, go to a dirt bike shop and buy like Maxima or Bell Ray, buy one of their contact cleaners because those are honestly the best. Uh, You you can get a, a can of Maxima contact cleaner for like 13 bucks on Amazon. Yeah, it's 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 well worth it, and uh, because there there are some types of plastic too that um, that auto parts store like brake clean and carb clean and stuff will attack certain types of plastic and rubber, and you don't necessarily have to worry about that with the Maxima stuff because we use it on suspension, you know. So I mean, we, you know, there's plastic parts that are in our shocks and everything else, and it you know it it doesn't hurt it. So that's something you do need to be kind of careful with. So suck it up, spend twice as much and get good contact cleaner from a dirt bike store. I was going to say, I think the Moo Clean from CowRC is safe to use. Probably. I don't think they would release something that's going to attack. Because I, because I use that stuff literally to clean everything and I haven't seen it destroy anything. Which Nitro Clean, that's another thing that works okay. But see, I've never... You know, that was, I think that was my first set of wheels I've ever had to glue. I mean, I've glued some other stuff together more for like, like trailer wheels on a 
you know, scale trailer, but you know, something that you're not really worried about. Whereas like this is like, okay, I guess it's a little more something you gotta be worried about. So oh, yeah. you're doing a lot of RPMs with these. We'll see how long mine last before they shoot off the tire. And if they do, it's not like they're shot. I mean, as long as they don't tear, you can glue them back together and you'll be fine. I mean, they may not be as pretty, you know, the second time around, but, but yeah, there's, we'll, we'll there's a trick to it. I'll send you some glue tips because that's going to really make your life better. And I'm actually kind of disappointed in myself that I didn't send you any in that last box of stuff I sent you. Cause I should have been thinking about that, but uh, having those glue tips makes a <laughs> giant difference when you're gluing tires. Look at, look at you getting the real team treatment here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I mean, I think he was more concerned about writing Adam Loves Element on the box than anything else. I almost <laughs> cut out a bunch of pictures of like David Hasselhoff without his shirt on and glued them all over the box, but I didn't this time. But next, <laughs> ne next time you'll have something impressive. Okay. <laughs> You didn't even say anything about that until today. I was like, man, he just like that was a wasted effort by me, and that that's terrible. No, that was dude. That was the first thing I saw. You're what an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact: When David Hasselhoff got divorced from his wife, he had to trademark "Don't hassle the Hoff" in a court settlement. Otherwise, his wife would get royalties. <laughs> that's crazy. Oh my god! Only in Hollywood, dude. Only in Hollywood. That's smart business, man. Yeah, I don't, mean... Don't hassle the Hoff. It's so funny when people do that with slogans and stuff. It's like, really? It's Okay, it, it, it's funny, but there's some areas where I think, like, you draw the line, and, like, and it's ridiculous, like, really ridiculous. Um, there, there is a, you know, diesel company um, up in the Sacramento area, um, Sinister Diesel, and... All their parts that they make, you know, or sell, whatever, they anodize them in a blue. So they call it Sinister Blue. Well, they tried to trademark that color, and they literally sent out I don't know how many e or letters to other diesel shops or companies that are selling stuff with blue, oh you know, anodized God. parts or blue. Oh, it started the biggest... I, okay, kids, plug you <laughs> the biggest shitstorm in the diesel community I've ever seen in my life. That's extra douchey. For one, Sinister Diesel, that sounds douchey. I don't care. You can call me and yell at me if you want, Sinister Diesel. But... Number two, sending a cease and desist out for a color use. Yeah, like honestly, knock it off. You're a jackass. Like that's, <laughs> dude, that's such a douchey move from a douchey company, obviously. So, I mean, it's just like one of those things. And, the, and honestly, it kind of buried – I wouldn't say it totally buried them, but it kind of – you know, like they went from a company that people actually like – you know, the, like the people getting into diesel would be like, I can't really afford this, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of like an RC terms. It's kind of like buying like hot racing stuff. It's not horrible, but it's not like buying Vanquish. So it's like you're still getting something that's – of quality but it's you know you're not breaking the bank whereas like that so that's like what sinister diesel was so once they did that there were so many people tearing stuff off their trucks they're like nope not running this anymore nope not running this anymore Which, because <laughs> it was just like yeah they should have been prepared for that like there's going to be backlash if you pull a shitty move like that should have released sinister brown 
<laughs> oh, that's so stupid. I, you know, I remember hearing about that now that you mentioned. Maybe you told me about it a long time ago or something, but that that yeah, does sound I, kind of familiar now. Yeah, I, I probably told you about that because I think we were talking about something kind of along the same lines, some sort of a trademarking thing, and yeah, it was just yeah, no, <laughs> it it was yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, but oh well. You know, it is what it is. You know, some of these, it's, you know, every action has a reaction. So sometimes you just need to sit there and think about it. I mean, they were going after people that literally, it wouldn't even be the same shade of blue, but they would say, <laughs> you know, it's getting a little close. It's like, no, it's not, dude. That's, uh... Then there were other people that deliberately would order their parts in a blue to see if Sinister would come after them. <laughs> That's really funny. So it's like like there was a couple diesel guys that I was following and they were building trucks and they were putting all the intercooler pipes and the up pipes and the down pipes and they would get them powder coated like a dark blue like close to the sin sinister air quote sinister blue um and yeah it was pretty funny that uh that's so weak <laughs> but, how could you pull something like that and not expect backlash like that just that blows my mind I honestly I don't know Oh, funny. But you know that'd be like if uh, we trademarked that uh, that gold on our um, that scale RC show sticker. I'm colorblind. I'll take your word for it. I thought I picked like tan and green or something, but I was told that's not the color at all. No, it's not the color at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, funny thing happened today. So Monday, I sent out a podcast care package to Eric Warren to kind of show our appreciation, you know, for him sending us stuff. Cause I thought that was super awesome of him. And so I put together a care package for him and mailed it out. And then tonight he orders one of our podcast hats <laughs> and it made me laugh. I was like, Hey man, I'm just going to refund you your order because I, I was trying to have it be a surprise, but <laughs> I sent you a bunch of stuff. And one of the things I sent was one of those hats. So thank you though, very much. I, I appreciate it. So, that's funny yeah i thought that was kind of cool he uh also i'm gonna put him in touch with mark betancourt um from crawl for a cure because he wants to be involved with that as well which i think is absolutely awesome so he uh currently um i believe there's somebody that he knows or is close with that is fighting uh the whole breast cancer battle and so he did some special uh stickers of his logo but they're round now and they're pink to uh, kind of show support and benefit uh, this person's um, fight to, uh, you know, contribute to their fight against cancer. So he wants to get involved with Carl for a Cure and contribute some stuff there as well. So um, if he's listening to this, you're awesome. Thank you, Eric. Like that, you know, just a, a stand-up guy. Like, you know, it, it's just those are the kind of messages that you always, like, are super happy to get. And that was one of those ones where I was just like, damn, this is a good guy, man. Like, you know, like it was just kind of the risk of sounding all mushy and stuff. Like it was just kind of like a heartwarming message to read from somebody, you know, that, I mean, obviously the dude cares and I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Yeah, that's and if uh, Wes is listening, I have you. I told him that I would send him some stickers. I just got to make it to the post office before they close. That's always my biggest hurdle is because I get up to go to work, 
and it's like by the time I'm done, it's like ah, the post office is closed. So I, it'll go out this week. So you should get it shortly, dude. In our pod, our Patreon for the podcast went from like thirty seven to like fifty one or fifty two dollars like overnight. Like, just couldn't believe it. I mean. I don't know. It's awesome. And so one of the things I was thinking about, because I know we keep talking about Patreon tiers and stuff, um, we should do drawings for those guys too, you know, like win a swag pack from us. You know what I mean? Like that would be another cool thing that we could do that, you know, since they're contributing and they're involved in stuff that I think that would be a neat, you know, just an exclusive giveaway for those guys, you know, and do that once a month also. You know, that would be... Win a hot date with one of the co-hosts? I I don't know. (laughs) 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 I, yeah, I'm not... We won't go down that road. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got a lot... Oh, and one of the... um, one of our contributors on there, I want to say, and if I get this wrong and you hear this, just please, I'm really sorry, but their name is Roxy. And so I'm assuming it's a female. And she was talking about how much they enjoy the podcast and how they're new to the hobby and they enjoy listening to it. And um, this person even went as far as getting crawlers for their siblings and to you know, have some fun during the winter and stuff. They've made like a little crawler course in their house and stuff. And it was just really cool to see. And they're like just all jazzed on the hobby and became a Patreon supporter too, which, you know, I mean, just people's generosity with this podcast is continuously blowing my mind. You know, like it's just, we're almost at 9,000 downloads now, which blows my mind. I mean, it, everything about this has just exceeded my expectations so much. Well, not to toot our own horn, but I feel we're, you know, we are kind of bringing up topics that, you know, I think people want to hear and want to hear someone's take on it, you know, and um, it's, it's you know, enter- providing entertainment for people. Yeah, and we, we did actually get a uh, kind of some not negative feedback, but sort of a critique. And, uh, you know, they kind of felt we were going on a rant and they they didn't learn anything from the last couple episodes and stuff. But in in our defense, I mean, obviously you're not, this person isn't wrong because that's their opinion, you know, and that's totally fine. Um, our, our thought process behind this though, the explanation that I would like to give is that we felt that it was a serious subject that needed to be addressed. And it's something that's, you know, the whole internet keyboard commandos thing. It's, um, you know, I, I think it's time that everybody's tired of it and it's, you know, it needs to become a thing of the past and we want to move forward in a positive direction. And that's why it may have seemed like a, a, a rant, but we really wanted to ram home the fact that this needs to stop and we want to keep this hobby a positive thing for people to enjoy. And it was something we felt really strongly about and needed to be said. And that was why. And, um, you know, we gave everybody notice that that's what the show is going to be about. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that's fine. Not everybody's going to like every single episode and that's, that's okay. You know, I mean, there's some people that probably didn't care at all about how to build servo winches or anything from the last, uh, episode we did and you know that's that's fine it's 
it's one of those things where you're going to kind of take what you want away from each episode. You know, you're not going to like every single thing that we say or every single subject or guest, but that's, that's totally okay. Um, I just didn't want them to feel like it was something that we did with no reason that we just wanted to bitch and moan about stuff. Yeah. I mean, we try to do our best not to bitch and moan. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes because, you know, Facebook can be kind of a dark place and, we just want to fix it. That's all. Well, there's, there's, you know, I'm sure you guys are very in tune with this by now, but if you are a quote unquote content creator for the industry, people seem to have certain expectations of you and your content. Um, and this was kind of a talking point on my show, like our, our second to last episode now. Um, because we kind of touched on something similar, and I, I'm, I had a flat out rant about it, because it's you know just because we do this extra thing and we pour our time and effort and, and money into doing something extra for the industry, it it doesn't mean that we are void of opinions. And I think some people, some people, and I'm not saying this was the case here, but I this is the case. I've had this be the case with my show in particular, where. Um, People will listen to your show. They expect content, but they don't expect opinion. And um, that the world just doesn't really work that way. No, I, so, I, I get that. That makes sense. Yeah, so that's kind of what I'm fighting. And yeah, obviously, I said a lot of things, and I'm, I'm facing backlash for it, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't right. And I think that that's, you know, for, I, I mean, I guess every one person who had something they wanted to say to me about it, 10 people loved it. Yeah, and that's just that's just kind of part of the game. And yeah, there's going to be times where you you don't please everybody, but uh, you know what? At the end of the day, um, and you you said this earlier, one of you guys said this earlier, and um, you know other a couple other podcast hosts that we've gotten no say it all the time. I mean, at the end of the day, it's an entertainment show. I mean, you're you're here to listen to get an entertainment value out of it, sure. um, and take take that as you will. That's kind of you make your own experience, I guess, at that point. Yeah, and we we do try and stay unbiased. You know, um, yeah, you guys are like goody two shoes all the time. Yeah, trying to to keep it like really cool, which is awesome. Yeah. And and here's the thing. It's like I I don't look at us as much as content creators, as much as I consider us to be more media. You know, like I think of what we do almost in a way is sort of like an audio magazine sort of, you know, like it's not divided up into segments like we originally talked about doing, but there are certain points that we do try and cover in each episode. And one of my biggest bitches with mainstream media is that it's just too heavily biased because it's corporation controlled and stuff. And, you know, so you're going to have money affecting what people say and everything else. And I wanted to make sure that we're not like that, you know, and case in point being like tonight offering praise to red cat you know it's like i'm a ae driver but you know it credit is due where credit's due you know and if somebody's doing it right i absolutely want to offer them praise and tell everybody about it but if somebody's also doing something wrong i feel like we also kind of have an obligation to you know point out the things that are wrong as well because I do consider us to be that's, more that, media. That is the other side of it, and that is the other side of it, and that's what right. a lot of people are afraid to do because they they are caught off guard when you do things like that because that exactly what you said, just like you have what you feel is a responsibility to give people praise where it's due, people don't always expect you to 
uh, actually say something about a subject when you feel like it's wrong or speak negatively about those things and uh, I mean yeah there is there is such thing about being you know too negative and and that can be detrimental and you can get yourself in um, in, a, in a lot of trouble really fast but right uh, it kind of comes down to the end of the day is that you know you have a you have an opinion you have a goal what are you going to do about it uh, and the the other part of it is that you know people are going to tune in to listen to you that <laughs> regardless of what they tell you they are right. tuning in to hear what you have to say. True. So it's kind of funny, you know, when we have those situations because people are tuning in to hear your opinion on it. They want to hear what Jay and Adam think about, um, well, the Red Cat Wendigo or anything else, you know, like the IFS or, uh, you know, any any big thing that's coming out. They want to hear your thoughts on it. And sometimes right. people have preconceived notions about what you're going to say. Um, some people want maybe some more honest like reviews of things where you guys are not going to like a certain thing or standards stuff like that and that's 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 okay too yeah i just i want to make sure that no matter what we're fair and we're honest about what we're saying and that's that's a really hard thing to do so if you you can do that that's awesome yeah and we were kind of walking the tightrope trying to make sure that people knew that we weren't trying to be slanderous or anything like that and that everything that we said was indeed supported by fact you know and that that is uh I, I think in our defense, that is something that, you know, people can look to us and know that, you know, it's it's going to be an honest opinion. Nobody's, you know, slipping us five bucks to say something good about their stuff or something like that. You know what I mean? Or Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny about that is that, like, what 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 do you have to gain from, you know, saying something like bad about someone intentionally? Like a- absolutely nothing. You're inviting trouble. Yeah. Is all you're doing. You you invite trouble and nothing else. What are people going to start like suddenly start thinking you're cool? Like that that's not the case. And I think that that people don't ask themselves that question enough when they hear things like this because, um, and I'm not. It's, this might seem contradictory to what I just said, um, in terms of like you know I feel like that it's important to say those things when you feel like they need to be said. But like that that it's not the point of, you know, oh well this is my opportunity to put someone down. It's like well no like you. You are tuning in to hear what I have to say about this subject. This is how I feel about that subject. Um, you know, there's two sides to everything, and that's the way it's going to be. And you do with that what you will. But the point is, is you t- you tuned in to hear what I think about it. Yeah, and, and it, that sure. doesn't. I'm not sitting here getting kicks out of being like, oh well, you know what? Um, hey, I'm. I don't even. I mean, you guys were so good about it. I can't even point an example out about what you guys were talking about from that episode. But. It, it kind of comes down to like it's not like you guys are sitting here like oh yeah now we get to say all these bad things about this and that and, and everybody's going to hear it and this, yeah, yeah yeah you know it's we're not being you know um, no, it's like that's not how the world works <laughs> that's yeah not what we're doing no here. but you yeah. know what in, in this person's defense which I'm I'm sure they're listening um, in their defense though they've become accustomed to a certain type of material that we release each week and so when we do something that deviates from what we have been doing in the past and may have been the pull for that person to uh you know start paying attention to the show and listening to what we're saying when we do switch it up like that i I get it because they're used to us providing a show in a certain way oh yeah yeah because they're like oh hold on a minute this is 
yeah, this is different. Th- this isn't, <laughs> yeah, this isn't what I'm used to. I don't like this. You know, this is different than what they've done in the past. And I totally get it. And you know what? I, I sympathize with the guy completely. And and well, I and yeah. I understand. I understand his feelings about it. And he's 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 not wrong by any means. No, he he offered you. He offered you consumer advice. He's a listener, and he has said that this is, as a listener, this is what I felt with this episode. Yeah. And, and that's totally within his right to do. And oh, that's, yeah. Absolutely. That doesn't mean he's wrong. And by no, no means no. am I like, I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm coming after this guy because I'm not at all. Because trust me, I get stuff like this all the time, and it does not mean that they are wrong at all. Um, no. Trust me, I listen to it all the time. I love it. I love it when people disagree with me. I really do. So when people you know have i guess those i guess for anything it's a good reminder because sometimes it's really easy to kind of to to feed off of the quote-unquote dramatic topics and if you hear something like that maybe it's like okay well you know we we got it all out now we can kind of get back to which is what we're known for exactly and that's that's exactly what we wanted to do with this episode you know is just kind of get back to what we were doing and stuff and you know i i completely get it and uh you know, I'm cool with it. It's it's the I will say this. It's the one semi like critique that we've had in almost nine thousand episode or you know nine thousand downloads now. Um, it's it's the only thing that we've had where someone's offered feedback um, that wasn't necessarily negative, but you know where they were slightly displeased about something. So. You know, one one or two shows out of you know nine thousand that people have listened to, you know, and downloaded. Um, you know, I take it very personally because lo- I put a lot of myself into everything that I do, and I really do. I mean, despite the numbers and everything, I I really do care about this person's opinion. You know, absolutely. You know, I'm not going to just discount it and blow it off as well. This is just one out of how many. You know, that well, that's not the case at all. Yeah, I'm I'm in a similar situation. I've so I I sit at 9,500 listens on my show currently out of 33 episodes, and I have about the same episodes per per listen or per week or same listens per episode per week. Excuse me. Uh, and the weird part of it for me is I pretty much know all of those people in person. Wow. So the the difference for me is that. <laughs> Some people get really caught off guard when I, you know, maybe am negative about a topic because um, I know all these people that I'm potentially being negative towards, you know, being kind of like the Northwest focused thing. So mm-hmm. people kind of expect me to not really have an opinion on those things, um, which is fine, but that's just not how that worked. Um, and the the difference is, is like that's a like. I, I know how to be professional, excuse me, about that conversation, and I can have that same conversation with them in person. And I think that there's a certain charm to that honesty. Um, and because, yeah, I get there's certain negative feedback I get all the time, whether it's like I, I edited something poorly or if it's a, uh, you know, something's funny, didn't like what I talked about. But that just kind of comes with the territory of maybe some topics. And I guess that's been kind of a good thing for the Scale RC thing for a while is that if this is the first time in well, now 37 episodes that you guys really felt like you had to clear the air on some stuff, then that's that 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 shows you, I guess, maybe that the scale industry is in a pretty solid spot right now, um, contrary to maybe what we're thinking leading up to that episode. Right, right. Because like, as far as the racing world goes, I mean, there's there's negativity and all sorts of crap going on as you know as far as someone can see. So. 
and unfortunately it seems to stay that way, which, you know, what makes it refreshing for me to be able to come on here and, and enjoy talking about crawling and drag racing and getting excited to go do those things because, you know, you don't have to bring that stuff with you. Now you can just go have fun. And that is like the one nice thing about this hobby too, is you just, you totally get to choose who you are around. You know, with, with racing, you've got a lot of different personalities and emotions are running high and it is something very, very competitive. Whereas with crawling, it's like, if you don't want to be around somebody, don't announce that you're going crawling and you can go out by yourself and enjoy it. And, you know, and I I think that for that reason, it's a little bit easier, you know? And so, I mean, really all the negativity that seems to surround crawling is you've got the fanboys and you've got the trolls and that's really about it whereas racing it's like you're on the track with these people and they're affecting your day and everything else you know with crawling it's like it nobody's going to affect your day you get out of it what you want you know and that's the nice thing um about this show too is you you can take away from it whatever you want you know yeah yeah and i mean like i said at the end of the day they tune in to hear what you think so yeah. there's 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 that part of it too, but no, and, and that's a that's a that's a cool thing, and I I saw something really uh, a really cool quote earlier today I think actually where it was like a you can't change the people around you but you can change the people around you, and that, wow that's pretty smart yeah I know I I felt really dumb for like five minutes trying to read it understanding what they meant. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, well, no, it's true. And and I think it's, you know, for maybe you guys, I don't know if this was something you guys faced, but, you know, you guys went so long without really talking about anything like that. And it, you know, I don't know if it was like stuff that was bottled up or inspired by recent events. Um, I mean, I have an idea. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, but the, uh, the thing about it for me is that, I, you know, I face the situation a lot, not only with the podcast, but SOR. And this is a point that I made on, on my show in particular, where sometimes in this industry, if you have a, a brand behind you in this sense, you, if you are offering some sort of content or image that people kind of stop looking at you like a person and they start looking at you like a service, the second that your prior, that their priorities don't match yours as far as, what they want, whether they agreed to be a part of your mission or not, um, the suddenly they're you're no longer a person to them. You're a service. They have expectations of you, and that friendship dissolves. Which right. sucks. It's like you put your heart and soul to some of these people, and yeah. so then that's just that's not an RC thing. That's just a walk of life thing. Right. But that that kind of was my big takeaway from that, and that sort of showed me that it was just like well. There's two ways to look at this. You can either, I mean, we can either dwell on it and we can let it eat at us or, you know, we can, you know, do something about it and make these positive experiences and take it on the chin and make us appreciate what we have. And that's, you know, it, eventually it all starts to, to pan out and pay off in the end with who you've got around you. Right. So I, I think maybe... I almost feel like listening to like your episode and then and my episode too. I didn't do it for mine, but um, you know, it almost warranted like a response a little bit, which I guess is what's happening right now. Um, to maybe you know some of those feelings, because who knows if there were more people who kind of listened to that that didn't say anything, kind of wondering like, hey, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, which I get that, you know. And like I said, they're used to getting a certain thing from us, and you know, so no, it it all makes sense. 
Yeah, but I mean, hey, you know, thirty now thirty-seven episodes in, and gonna be cresting ninety-five hundred soon. I mean, doing something right. Yeah, which feels good. I mean, I'm surprised that people listen at all. Honestly, I mean, I've said that a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know. there's a That's lot of I'm... times I've said that. It's like, man, I can't believe people want to sit here and listen to us talk about toy trucks, especially when video is so pre- prevalent in this hobby. You know, yeah. It, it, oh, I know. Such a hard thing to talk about. Like yeah. really. Well, it and that's just it. Like, we weren't even really sure if this was gonna work because video is exciting, you know. And yeah, I, a podcast doesn't necessarily appeal to everybody, and that's what's been so surprising about this. And I, I love it. I mean, it's just I, I can't believe that we've been riding this wave now for several months and it just continues to grow. And it's, it, it's, it's really, really surprising to me. It, well, it's, it's been cool. Yeah. And you know what the most rede- like the point that you know that it was worth it and that it's paying off and like you are, feel totally redeemed for the amount of time you spend sitting in front of a computer with a microphone in front of you mm-hmm. is like, Adam, you've probably experienced this maybe more, but when you guys go to a big event and people come up to you and tell you how awesome your show is and how much they love it, that makes the biggest difference in the world. Yeah, I mean, it does to you know to an extent, but I always try to tell people like actually I had somebody which if I want to give any kind of a shameless plug I'll I'll give him one. Um, <laughs> anybody listening that likes you know uh, events that have a good cause behind it or people that are trying to do good things um, using RC as a platform, um, there's a guy. Um, his name's Javier. Um, he goes by Eleven Charlie RC on um, Instagram and YouTube, and he basically is a nonprofit. Everything goes back to um, wounded military vets. Wow, that's rad. So he called me today while I was at work, and he's like, "Hey, man, do you have a second? I want to, you know, I want. I'm I'm asking you for some guidance." And I said, "Well, I said." How about you just call me and we'll just, you know, BS because I said I'm not going to say I'm like a guidance counselor, but I mean like if you have a question I'm going to try and help you. I don't want to just I just don't want to sound like I have all the answers, you know, right. like yeah. I'm happy to help you out like, you know, and it's and it's like it is honoring to hear somebody call you and say, "Hey, I want to talk to you about this because I, I you know, I'm looking for some answers because clearly you're doing something right cuz you are where you are, so can you tell me like what I should do about this that and the next thing and you know, so it is humbling to hear that, but I definitely want to give a big shout out to him. So if anybody's listening that wants to check him out, look him up on YouTube uh, and Instagram, um, and I believe he's also on Facebook too. Um, Eleven Charlie RC. Yeah, that is so. incredibly cool. I mean, it. In yeah, it's, awesome. it's not. I mean, with <clears throat> excuse me, with me being so far away from California and Adam kind of being more in the hub of everything, I'm less likely to bump into people, but I do see all the comments and stuff that people leave. And it means so much every time somebody's like, Hey, I love your show. And this, you know, it's like, it's not like I'm glossing over it going, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like every single time somebody says something like that and offers some sort of praise, I'm just like, damn right on like you know it it's a huge boost you know it it feels awesome and 
you know, I'm extremely grateful for the audience that we have now. And, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't want anyone to think that it's, you know, we're never going to be the guys that know everything. We're never going to be the authority on something. Um, we do want to try and be positive ambassadors for the hobby. And that is kind of our entire focus is just help, you know, like we're here to try and help you navigate through this really fun hobby. And if we can help you make the right decisions or point you towards something that we think is really cool that you're going to enjoy, then that that's what we're here for. You know, we're not, it's not this ego padding thing, you know, where after a while you've got this big head and stuff that that's not it at all. Like everything that people say means a great deal. And so, oh, yeah, you know, I, I can't stress that enough. Yeah, that's huge. So there was one other thing I, cause I, I mean, it completely slipped my mind until I don't know, like it just like, it's one of those things like a light bulb just went off. There's just one other thing I wanted to touch base before we wrap up this week's episode, but the registration for Axial Fest 2020 is open for both events. Oh, nice. So um, I know um, I'm already registered for the California event, so I will be there. Um, but yeah, so it is open, so anybody listening who did not know it was open, go sign up if you're going or plan to go. Yeah, don't sign up if you're not going because then you're just throwing money away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> did, we so, have, did we have any other questions or anything from people? No, I think that was it because we did, I've, you know, Bonehead didn't put out a. Well, I didn't either because I wasn't sure who our guest was going to be because at one point it was going to be Brett from Die Hard and. Uh, he was out at the park today and couldn't make it back in time. And so I thought, well, you know, let's, let's at least have somebody on to kind of break it up and, you know, just cause it, it enriches the conversation. Obviously when you have a third party, I think, you know, and I think that some of my favorite episodes are where we do have somebody. And even if it's not, you know, them talking about their product or something like that, it's just, you know, a different opinion and outlook on stuff. It just, helps the conversation and i i really enjoy having guests and i wish it's something we could do every single time um we did have um a guy on patreon in fact i'm gonna pull it up i'm gonna actually i should read off some of the questions and comments from patreon actually because that would be really good because that stuff isn't as visible to the public as like podbean and our facebook and so we do have some like feedback and comments and stuff um so we've got nine patrons I'm going to pull up our inbox here. Um, Dan Sutherland is the first one. Uh, he said, you guys probably have a guest list started. Hope I can add to that. Um, we're not that organized, <laughs> but we, we kind of, we kind of have, we know like in our heads, but we don't actually have a list going. But so he was saying some of the guests that he would like us to talk to is John Holmes, which I think that is a great idea because the dude is incredibly funny. I get a kick out of his videos and, uh, social media ads that he does. Like he's a really funny guy. So I think that would make for a really cool conversation. Um, Richard, Truilo, um, I believe he's an Axial employee, right? Yes. 
Okay, John Schultz, which we've already had, so he may have missed that one because not everybody jumps on the first episode and listens. Some people just start on the most current one, and if they like it, they go back and listen to older ones. Um, John Schultz, so we already had. Uh, Dan Wilson, Michael Pham, Josh Theater, Brandon Kuntz from Vanquish, Oscar Ramirez or Brandon Tomey from uh, ASD Crawlers. And he said, there are some others that I'll probably remember in the middle of the night, we'll add. Um, he said, we have a local comp coming up on March 7th, hosted by ASD Crawlers. Um, so, uh, yeah, we definitely want to plug that. Um, I don't yeah. have the name of it, unfortunately. It's Crawlmasters 2020. Okay, so that's coming up March 7th. That is a huge event, and that is definitely something people are going to want to check out. Make sure well, okay. that you- – oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so I don't know how they're doing it this year. Because in the past, it's like one of those like invitation crawls, meaning you can put your name on the list like if you want to compete, and then they go through and they put a selected amount. Like there's, They choose the amount of drivers that are actually going to do it. And then in the past, it's strictly been like drivers, the judges, and like maybe like if the drivers have like you know their significant others or their kids with them or something, it's there. It was never like a big event like for everybody to show up and like hang out. Right. This time it's a little different. It's at a place in um, I want to say it's Pleasant Hill. That's yeah, an indoor I'm, course, isn't it? It's an indoor course. Yeah. So I just don't know what what it you know because I actually asked Brandon that I said hey I said if someone wants to be a spectator this year, he said I'll never he like he told me he goes I'll never turn you down but you know I don't like I said I don't know what the the space or the facility is going to be like so that was something that I was going to try and check out this weekend. Um, yeah. I, I just don't know if it's going to happen. I will say this. Um, Make sure if you're interested in doing that, make sure you contact them because I know yeah. this year it seems to be oriented around class one rigs. And so there is a tire size limit. You do have to have a hard body, I believe, and some other things. Well, that's the other thing. The drivers are already chosen. So oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, what I'll do is, um, well, I don't want to give away one of their one of them's got some stuff going on, so I don't know if this is going to happen again next year. Um, uh, so, but what if this happens again next year? I want I'll do a better, you know, advertising it because I know that the drivers' announcement went out like I want to say around like November or December. Oh, like okay. if you wanted, like if you wanted to participate in this, you know, they're taking applications up until whatever date and then they went through and picked who's going to do it so that's why i was saying more of like an invitation crawl kind of thing you know like okay you you know you you go yeah i want to be a crawl master and then once they put you down the list then they give out hey this is what the rules are going to be you know so like i know for a fact um who's jesse ham's going to be there he's participating um, who else? Uh, I think Tony Mazza is going to be there. I don't know if Gene Boyd's going to be there. Um, I know Josh Theed, aka Harley's going to be there. Um, who else? There's a handful of people. It's a lot of local people to my area. Hmm. Okay. Slash Sacramento. Right. So, but uh, yeah. So. Yeah, so I just didn't want you to give out any, you know, if anybody's listening that's local, you know, it's it's the sign up list is already done. All gotcha. that's kind of yeah, that's good to know. I didn't realize that, so that's good. I I just wanted to make sure that like somebody just didn't show up like 
with a class three truck and expect they're going to, you know, run or something. So, yeah, no, I get it. So, but, uh, the next one was, I'll, I'll read the message we got from, uh, Roxana and it says best RC podcast just got into crawling and skill crawlers this year to beat the winter gloom, turn my family room into a crawler course. And my brothers cannot get enough fun driving their cars there. Need to find crawler events in Southeast Michigan area. Thanks for the show. Roxy. Um, it sounds any... like East coast horizon faster axial fest is the place to be for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you guys are in the Southeast Michigan area, um, I'll put this out on Facebook too. I'll do my best to remember to do that here. Um, post up, uh, you know, what you guys have going on in that area of the country. And it sounds like these people would really like to find some friends to, uh, go have some fun with this year. So, um, that's something that would be really cool. And then, uh, that's really about it from Patreon. So I right just, I'd never gone through and addressed all those messages before. So I wanted to make sure that we did that. Okay. Well, I think that wraps up this week's. Yeah. Cause we and didn't really have any more questions or anything. Did we? No. Travis, is there anything that you wanted to go over before we sign off here? Um, no, not really. Just thanks for having me again. Oh you're, yeah. You're currently always- working on a, your first element build right now too you're building a crawler yeah i'm uh i'm about halfway through it it's been a really slow process because i've been also prototyping some things so i'm also kind of doing a my first element build which has been awesome but also uh trying to work some stuff out on my end as well so it's been kind of fun nice yeah, it's a good time. I haven't started our newest one, so I think I might kind of keep that one sort of hush-hush and not uh, post anything about it until it's finished, which is typical of me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the worst when it comes to progress. So there's so many times that people have been like, hey, you know, do you have like a, a build thread or anything like that? And it's like, man, like I, I've never done anything like that because I just never really figured anybody would care enough to yeah. The pay only reason I'm it. <laughs> the only reason I'm not doing that with this build is just because I want because it's my first one. I want to be sure that I did it right the first sure. time. Um, because I'm going to feel like a jackass if someone points something out in a picture that I put something together wrong. Right. Um, so I do that. So I'm I'm building it through the first time, and then after that I'm going to have to go like take the whole thing apart again and go through and like properly grease everything because I'm not even doing that this first go around. So oh, gotcha. after that, then I'll start taking pictures and and you know. Well, doing plus a lot of it. the pictures that you're doing too. There's like product development stuff happening and you can't really yeah there's a share, lot of stuff i can't know? post right now yeah. so i've got to like doctor it all up exactly which i i haven't even made our team aware of some of this stuff so when we get off here i wanted to tell adam about some of it too so oh yeah so right. well guys um thank you all very much again for paying attention to us and listening to what we have to say and uh i you know we couldn't be thankful enough so Thank you to all of our awesome listeners, and until next time, there you go. We'll see you next week. See ya.